So here's some quotes I'd like to read you, okay? On blowing $100 million, quote, it happens. (laughs) Next quote. (laughs) When you talk about blowing $100 million, I know cats that blew double that. (laughs) That's the second response. (laughs) It continues. It can happen to anyone. (laughs) <laughs> Which I gotta say, <laughs> I don't think you can have it anyway. I feel like I can rule the world. I know I could be what I want to. I put my all in it like no days off. All right, what's up? We got a fun episode here. So we're gonna do, we're gonna play a little game. And the game is that, Sam, I want me and you to go back and forth, kind of like we do when we hang out, if we were just back in the day when we both used to drink a drink a beer or two and we would just try to entertain each other sort of one up each other with stories and um i'll tell you a story a business story that i think is pretty juicy you tell me a business story that you think is pretty juicy and we're gonna see who we're gonna we're gonna measure these uh you know to see who can tell the juiciest backstory behind celebrity brands now, i texted you last night i go celebrity brands but not the celebrity part the juicy backstory. And that's all we said to each other. <laughs> like, for example, uh, we don't use this one, but what's the uh, Kylie Cosmetics? Uh, Kendall, what's her name? Kylie Jenner. Kylie Jenner. She has this lipstick company that does hundreds of millions in revenue. She's obviously not the one like running the show. She had a partner with someone, she, a, a number two, a behind the scenes person. We're going to talk all about behind the scenes who, people. Who is that number two? How did they make this come about? How did they get the celebrity partnership? What made it work versus many others that failed? Um, who are these sharks that are that are behind the scenes? Who's the number two? We're go. I dare say we're going number two today, and we're doing it live <laughs> with all of you. All right, <laughs> that's how this is gonna work. And, and we 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 rank it from raisin to grape, with the wine being a ten out of ten, grape being nine yeah, out of ten. It, I don't actually know what's the in between stages of raisin and grape, but is it juicy there. like a prune, like a raisin, like a grape, or is it straight wine? That's how juicy this is. Juicy juice uh, boxes. That's how that's how good these can be. All right, so dude, I, I have a I have a low juicy story I wanted to ask you or ask your opinion about before we get into this. Yeah, go for it. This listen. This weekend, I went to Miami for this Hampton thing. We went like lobster diving. It was awesome. I stayed at a very fancy hotel. I'm not going to name the hotel yet because I want to see. I wait, wait to the end of the story. I was working out. You know those cable machines? Like it's like uh, cable yeah. machines where you use that rod, like you use the rod to like change the weights at the bottom. Right. And you know how there's like a 2.5 pound weight that's usually at the top that's like adjustable. Uh, yeah. I I was fixing the weight, and the machine was broken apparently i didn't notice it was broken and that two point rot that 2.5 pound weight fell on my finger i have got my finger looks like a grape can you see that is it all purple (laughs) yeah i can see (laughs) all right the question is is what type of petty court do we go to about this is this just like is this just like a free stay like do i get my money back is it like I want my money back plus like another free stay? Well, you you have to find a way to talk where you're waving that. Like you got to change your gestures. So like you got to have like this Obama style just gesticular you know motions when you're talking because you need to see the manager. The manager needs to see the finger, and the finger. I mean, you're not you're not trying to wave it in their face. It's just you just need to do one of those where you point at it. You're like, what? Am, what am I supposed to do about this? I mean, <laughs> yeah, I need something for this. <laughs> this, 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 is a, happen this is a off your property. <laughs> sure. <didn't. Yeah. laughs> Look, if I go to a fancy hotel, I expect a fancy gym, right? Not like where the screws come out of the freaking equipment. <laughs> so I've, my finger looks like a grape right now. Right. It's like, you know, it's one of those injuries 
that isn't you don't do anything with a broken finger, right? right. You do nothing. But God damn, it hurts. This is like when Willis Reed limped into game seven of the NBA finals from the tunnel and the crowd goes crazy. They said, no, it's not possible. He couldn't possibly be playing with that injury. That's how people playing this podcast today should feel (laughs) about your ability to to persevere through that injury. I'm a blogger, bro. I'm a I'm a tweeter. (laughs) I tweet. And also, I can't exercise now for a week. And that's how I make a living is with my seven out of ten body. (laughs) (laughs) that's how a cat feels when they lose one of their lives (laughs) so anyway maybe i'll have an update to the story maybe i'll get a free stay to blank hotel name (laughs) but we'll see if i can persevere with this this aching finger but i think we i think we could do it you want to go first your best hey quick break to talk about our sponsor today we're talking about hubspot and their new ai powered service hub Okay, so what is Service Hub? Basically, every customer today wants to be talked to in a personalized way. And before, that required tons of human agents. But now, with AI, you could do that in a personalized way with fewer humans involved. And so you don't have to scale up your team in order to deliver personalized chat and service. So check out HubSpot's new Service Hub to use their AI tools to give better support to your customers. That's what they want, and that's what they deserve. So visit HubSpot.com service to learn how this all-new solution can help you deliver customer service with AI to your customers. Okay, so there's this woman named Emma Greed. Do you know that name? No. Emma Greed, first of all, destined to be famous with a name like that, Emma Greed. Greed, like greed, like money greed? Yeah, but it's G-R-E-D-E. Says a little bit, like got her own own spin on it. So um, she is the business shark behind a bunch of the Kardashian brands. So she was a founding partner in Skims, the multi-billion dollar shapewear brand for Kim Kardashian. Her husband is the CEO of that, by the way. Uh, so the the couple is behind this. The next one is um, she co-founded Good American, the the jeans brand that's massive. That probably does three hundred million a year in revenue. Um, so you know, uh, uh, with Khloe Kardashian. So she that's how she broke into that. And then with Kris Jenner, she goes to the mom and she co-founds Safely, a, a plant based cleaning product brand um, with her and Chrissy Teigen. And so this woman, she's so Shit. impressive. Um, if you've ever seen her, a lot of people now have seen her because I think she's on Shark Tank this season. So if you like are into that form of like, you know, uh, entertainment, you've, you've seen her. She's so, she's super polished. So she's, she's this woman who's half black, half white, super good looking, British accent, and an absolute savage in terms of business. This is what I've gathered from watching a bunch of interviews of hers. By the way, did you see the recent raise for Skims? I think Skims raised $200 million at a $3 billion like three valuation. Billion. Is that- yeah. And she owns oh eight, she owned 8% of that. I don't know after dilution what she owns, but she owned 8% of that. So her stake in Skims alone is basically a multi-hundred million dollar stake. Um, forget about Good American where she was like, you know, it was her idea. She was the, the kind of the, the CEO. She's the, she's the operator behind that. So here's, you want to hear her story? It's a, yeah. It's pretty good. So she's um, she's daughter of a single mom, which is the start of every great uh, entrepreneurial story, by the way. Uh, second thing, she she basically is like a hustler when she's young. She's got a paper route. She's like working at a deli. She's just working all kinds of like blue collar jobs. And she's like, OK, you know what? I want to make it in fashion. And so she goes to the London College of Fashion and she's 14, 15 years old. She's already like interning at Gucci. She's like hustling her way into like these like low level internships at fashion brands. And she drops out because she's like, dude, I'm hustling on the weekends and after school, like these fashion shows or in my internship, I'm networking with all these people. I feel like I'm learning way more and building a way more valuable asset, which is my network 
outside of school than I am inside of school. So she drops out and she starts working for a couple of like, she works for like a, uh, a runway company and then she starts her own agency. She's like, oh, okay, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna create this agency called ITB. Uh, she's 26 years old, I think at the time. And, wow. and she's like, she'd been hustling in the fashion industry. So now she's got connections. So she's like, hey, let me just be a dot connector. And so she's like, I'm going to connect all these fashion brands, want to do collabs with influencers and celebrities, and I'll create an agency that does that for them. So, oh, you know, the way she kind of got her break was Calvin Klein wants to do a campaign for their new launch of whatever the new thing is. She sources 70 different models and influencers for them, signs all the contracts. One of those people is Kendall Jenner. To do that deal, she meets Kris Jenner. And so she becomes somewhat friendly, like they've done a couple of campaigns together. She's booked her out. She has a little bit of respect. So here's what she does then. She's like, okay, this model of connecting, like using kind of celebrity influencers is working for these brands, but they kind of do it in a inauthentic way. It's like only transactions. Like when, when you need the, when you need them to promote X product, they show up and then they disappear. She's like, no, no, no. I think we should have a story and a celebrity at the beginning of these brands. And so she has this idea for Good American, a denim brand that is, uh, I don't know if you're how familiar you are with it, but it's basically like their thing is it's kind of like all sizes. It's sort of like body positive early on. And she was like, you know, we're going to have, we're going to carry like from size zero to size, whatever, like 24 or something like that. Imagine that pitch to one of the Kardashians. Well, so it works like, because she's like, I know, but Chloe. like, look, here's, here's the thing, Chloe. <laughs> she's like, why me? Well, Chloe, you might want to sit down yeah. for a second. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't, you have to say one of those things like, I'm not racist, but it's like, you know, yeah. I'm not trying to be offensive, but you're the perfect fit for this brand. I don't know which one is Chloe, but they're all like obviously fit and skinny. But I, she, maybe she's like the she's the one the who kind of went West. up and down and wait. She was like at first she was yeah. like the big, the bigger one of the sisters, and she like had these like sisters who were like you know size zero. That was insecurity. Then she got super super skinny, but then she like kind of you know naturally people's weight fluctuates. So. Imagine that conversations with like Weight Watchers or like one of these brands comes to you. You know what I mean? Or like when, like uh, I'm honored. You know how Jamie insulted. <laughs> You know how Jamie Lee Curtis is the spokesperson for that yogurt company that makes you poop regularly? Uh, what's it called? <laughs> yeah, I don't know which one. It's it's like a, a yogurt that like elderly people are supposed to eat, so it makes them go to the right. bathroom like on a regular basis. <laughs> like a mission. Like, look, we're gonna call it oops, I cracked my pants, <laughs> and we <laughs> we want you to be the face of it. You know what I mean? Yeah, like that, that's Dude, a weird conversation. Green, well, what, who cares? <laughs> I, I don't care. You know, there's no problem with this. The uh so she pitches. Chris Jenner, she goes, Chris, I bumped, she bumped into her fast week. She's like, I got an idea for a brand. And she was expecting like, look, I know you guys get hundreds of offers, but she's like, I've already seen how much of a hustler you are. She's like, I observed the way you operate. Like, I already kind of like kind of uh, co-signed this. You should just meet with Chloe directly. See if Chloe likes it. If she likes it, you already has my blessing. So she meets with Chloe. Chloe's in and they basically start this brand. Uh, brand has scaled up now into the hundreds of millions. It's one of the, the the fastest growing denim brands and jeans brands. From there, she then approaches Kim and she's like, Kim, we should do a shapewear brand. And her husband, who's also in the fashion industry, became the the kind of the, the day-to-day person because she was busy with Good American. But they together create Skims, which becomes a multi-billion dollar shapewear brand. Then she does this one with with her, uh, with with the mom as well. And so I, f- I just found this fascinating, what this family is doing. So they basically have a 
Holdco. The Glebe family. What's that? The, the Glebe family? The Greed family? Yeah, so, or, so Jen's yeah. Greed and Emma Greed. So they basically have a Holdco called Popular Ventures or something, a popular culture or something like that. Like he also did Brady, the clothing brand with Tom Brady. So they're what? spinning up these fashion and, and, and consumer product brands with A-plus celebrities. And they've built, they're on the Forbes list now. These guys have a like, you know, $400, $500 million net worth just co-founding these with uh, with the Kardashian family and with, uh, you know, Tom Brady and, and whatnot. So impressive to have pulled that off behind the scenes. Uh, and what's Frame? They have another one called Frame. Is that a, that's is that the fashion too? brand that the husband started? They sell like $300 T-shirts. I, I, I don't get it. But like, you know, have you seen what they look like? This husband and wife couple? It's hard to like them because they're so good looking. They're like perfect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like they're so good looking. They're both. They both look like influencers. I was definitely reading it and I was like, yeah, but they probably don't have a good relationship. I was like trying to find some crap. I was like, she might have cholesterol issues. You never know. Nobody's got it all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But this guy probably broke both fingers, not even just one. <laughs> yeah. They, they're pretty perfect. Like these guys look like influencers themselves. And so, um, all right. So where do you put, where do you rank on the juicy scale? Emma and Jen's greed from prune to wine. Uh, it's in the middle. So they're incredibly impressive. This is amazing that they do this. It's what's even more amazing is that like, so John Rockefeller had this famous, uh, phrase where he would, uh, when he was trying to buy other companies, he was like, look, you should, you should join my oil company. I make so much money. And they're like, no, you can't make more. He goes, look, I know I make money. I make money in ways that you can't even dream about. You have no idea how much money I make. And that's exactly what the Kardashians are like. This good America, that's just this little thing I've never even heard of that makes hundreds of millions of dollars. That's amazing. Um, but there's no drama here. So I'm going to put it like right in the middle. A prune. Does a prune have juice in it? I think it does. We're going to give it a prune. A uh, prune's the lowest. Prune's the lowest. Raisin is the middle, I think we're going with. Then it's a raisin. This is a raisin. <laughs> there's there's no drama here. I, I need some drama. But this is these guys are amazing. I, this is, I, they're a perfect couple. I understand. I tried to start with like, you know, raised from a single mother because that was really the only like story of of not just badass winning, um, you know, but uh, the humble origin story. But I agree with you. There was uh, like if you no Google drama. her name, there's like a picture of her and Khloe Kardashian posing with. I guess one of their brands and they look like models. Right. Like I was like, is this the founder or, or a model? They, they look like models. This reminds me of, so I actually didn't do t- uh, research on this guy, but it reminds me, he is also in the Kardashian sphere, but have you heard of Brian Lee? The honest company guy. Yeah. So Brian Lee. So do you remember who <laughs> it's so weird? Do you remember Robert Shapiro? I don't know if you would remember him the lawyer. Who is that? The lawyer, Okay, the lawyer. So basically, Robert Shapiro was one of the guys, I think he defended O.J. Simpson. That's what he was famous for. Right. You remember That's that? That's their dad, right? No. So this is where it gets uh, funny. So Robert, so the Kardashian family is famous because one of the Kardashians, I forget the name, the dad who's, who's uh, died, he defended O.J. Simpson along with Robert Shapiro. Robert Shapiro. Okay, gotcha. And Robert Shapiro, you know, he's a lawyer, big shot, probably a smart guy. He ends up partnering with Brian Lee. Brian Lee's this 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 guy did it in 2001. So Brian Lee was only in his uh, early 20s. He goes, hey, I have this idea for this legal company, but I need a celebrity to be the face of it. So somehow he cold or he actually cold called Robert Shapiro and said, hey, do you want to be a partner on my new legal company? And he's like, yeah, come to my office. Let's talk about it. And he woos him. It works out. Well, that company is now called Legal Zoom. 
And it's a, I don't know if it's quite a billion dollar company, but it's in that range. Yeah. It's a really successful company. And so Robert Shapiro and Brian Lee were like, hey, this worked. Who do you else do you want to do it with? And Robert Shapiro was like, well, I got these friends. You know, I worked with their dad, the Kardashians. What if we worked with them? And so he does it again. And he creates this company called Shoe Dazzle, which doesn't end up working out amazingly. And it, and it was actually pretty early. This was in 2009 with Kim Kardashian. He partnered with her. And it was like a subscription shoe company. Didn't work out that well. And his third company he did called The Honest Company, which I think they went public. Yeah. Did they go public? Yeah, they are public. And so he partnered with Jessica Alba for that. And he ended up selling like, I think, $30 million worth of his shares before it even went public. Now he's doing it again, where he co-founded another company with Derek Jeter, and it's a digital sports card collecting company. So this guy, Brian Lee, has been doing the same thing, very similar to the Greed family of like in the Kardashian sphere right. and just like being the operator and... uh he's a pretty amazing guy. So Brian Lee's an interesting guy as well. Dude, we could pull um, up Honest Company stock, by the way. Hammered. Absolute, absolutely got what's hammered. What's it at now? So it, when it debuted in 2021, it was at $20 share. It's currently at $1.40. It is now only worth $130 Yikes. million market cap. Is it really? Right. I think they do like $100 million in sales. So it's I guess it's trading for one times revenue. Ouch. It's got a great brand. I wonder uh, who's going to buy that i think i feel like that's a great target to, to buy yeah it's an interesting one but this guy brian lee's been doing this stuff we'll put him in the same category though that that's only a middle one it when you're with the kardashians it's kind of a stack deck yeah it's a stack deck um all right hey let's take a quick break to tell you about our sponsor it is a podcast that we want you to check out it's called d2c pod it's hosted by ramon barrios and blaine bolus it is brought to you by the hubspot podcast network the audio destination for business professionals and this is a podcast about all things direct-to-consumer, D2C. It's e-commerce stores, it's how you optimize your brand, and they're talking with founders, marketers, and the platform creators about all kinds of things that you need to know for D2C. You know, website conversion, paid ads, Facebook ads, consumer trends, email marketing. If you want to know the stories behind your favorite brands, this podcast is for you. They did an episode recently about scaling creator growth and influencer incentives that I thought was pretty cool. So check it out. Listen to D2C Pod wherever you get your podcasts. You, you do one. All right, I have one. So this one's kind of uh, popular right now, but there's a really interesting story behind it. So virtual dining company, or is that what concepts. it's called? Vir sorry, virtual, virtual dining concepts. So basically, a couple of years ago, Mr. Beast launched Beast Burger. And the idea that I think they actually, did they tell us in the pod? I think he mentioned this in the pod, right? His manager? Uh, yeah, I think so. He was basically like, we had this idea and we went from like idea to executing in like such a short amount of time, which was a huge mistake. I think he said it, they did it in like 60 days or 90 days, something crazy. But they partnered with this company called Virtual Dining Concepts and they launched this thing. Two years later now, it's like a shit show. So Mr. Beast is tweeting uh, and he's actually deleted a bunch of the tweets, but he's basically said like, this company has ruined my reputation because the burger sucks. The quality control sucks. Now they are both suing each other. So that alone is a story, but that's not even the interesting part. The interesting part is the guy behind it. So the guy behind it, his name is Robert Earl. So Robert Earl is interesting because in his early 20s, he started a company that was just, it was just a restaurant. It was, I think it was like a medieval restaurant. Have you ever like seen those on, on like movies? <laughs> no, but every time I would go to Vegas, I would stay at, what's that castle one called the medieval, medieval castle? It's like uh, that terrible hotel. That's where I always stayed. Well, it, he started this thing. I think it was called Beef Eater. And it was in England. He's from England. And it was called Beef Eater. And it was like a medieval themed restaurant. And so he starts growing that. And after a handful of years, like 10 years, he sells it, makes like $60 million. And he's like, 
all right, what 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 next? And so his next thing is Planet Hollywood. Do you remember Planet Hollywood? Of course. So Planet Hollywood was a restaurant concept where it was like, we're going to go big with all the stars. So his big stars were Bruce Willis, um, Sylvester Stallone, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and then like Demi Moore, Cindy Crawford. He had like all the stars like aligned with this restaurant and he gave them all equity and goes, you guys are going to be the face. We're going to do Planet Hollywood. You go to the restaurant and there's going to be like wax figures of all the celebrities, whatever. It was a big deal at the time. And he expands it and uh, eventually goes public, but they expand way too quickly and they eventually go bankrupt. But it's still like, it's kind of like a famous failure in that it actually probably could have worked, but they expanded too quickly. Then he keeps doing this shit though. So he eventually buys... <laughs> he can't uh, stop. He's a, he's a concept junkie, he, this guy. <laughs> he's a concept, this guy, he's a concept junkie. Can you so imagine just brainstorming with this guy? Like this guy would, uh, this guy would, would not stop. I feel like he, I gotta be, I need to get in a room with Robert Earl and I need to have a brainstorm. Well, he's really interesting. And so now he's got this thing. I think it's called um, uh, Look Up uh, Earl Enterprises. So he's got this thing now where he owns, um, they own like 30 different restaurants now. And it does something like $500, $600 million a year in revenue. And some of the brands are a chicken restaurant with Guy Fieri. He owns, uh, do you remember, uh, you know, uh, Balducci, like Italian sandwiches and like pasta restaurants? Yeah. It's like better than Applebee's a little bit, you know. They're they're like they're barely like a, better than Applebee's is the bar we hold yeah. and maintain vigorously for all of our guys. Yeah, that's like the thing. Like none of them are like crazy fancy, but they're all like you know, it's like twenty five dollars a meal type of thing. But he owns a ton of them, and so he's in all not all of them, but many of them have a celebrity behind them. And so he gets this idea when ghost kitchens start popping up with Uber and DoorDash starts popping up. And so he gets his son to help co-found this new company with him. And that's what virtual dining is. And so he has one with um, Barstool where it's like, pardon part of my cheesesteak. Pardon my cheesesteak. It's a che- cheesesteak uh, business. And then he decides to do the same thing, except this time he does it with, with Mr. Beast Burger or Mr. Uh, it's called Mr. Beast Burger or Beast Burger. And it takes off, but then obviously they have the their their issues. But he has still done it with a, a ton of people. So he's done it with Mariah Carey. So he has Mariah's cookies. He's done it with rapper Tyga, which is crazy to me that Tyga is even relevant. But I think, by yeah, the way, how does he have that much pull? Well, Tyga dated one of the Kardashian girls, so maybe that's how I don't, I don't know. Tyga could walk but, into my house right now, and I would say, <laughs> "Hey, sir, what's your name?" I would not know yeah. who Tyga is. Um, yeah, it's weird. So he has Tiger Bites. They have part of my cheesecake. I need to they meet have, somebody uh, who's just eating Tiger Bites. Like, who, <laughs> yeah. who are the who are the customers? Tiger Bites. They, yeah. They, yeah, yeah, yeah. They are strong and united. I think I think he's working on Huba Stank Hoagies. <laughs> uh, that's gonna be the next one. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know what the deal is with Tiger, but he's done this a whole bunch of times where he has this like pretty massive empire, and right now he's being sued and. Uh, He's, they said in the comment or they, they made a comment and they're like, look, like a lot of people are complaining about Beast Burgers, but he goes, that's just normal. Like when you serve all these people uh, and he's like, look, look at all of our restaurants. People complain. <laughs> look, it's normal. People complain about all our shit. Uh, <laughs> but but the guy's got like a ton of stuff going on. So he owns a casino. He owns uh, Aladdin Resort and Casino in Las, on the Las Vegas Strip. He still owns Planet Hollywood and they're trying to make it uh, come back a little bit, or he owns a couple of them. He owns uh, a soccer team, the Everton soccer team. Have you heard of that? Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah, and him and his wife live in a twenty-five thousand square foot mansion in Florida. I mean, the guy's a baller. And if you if you Google him, 
He's like this old looking guy who kind of wears tacky shirts, but he looks like a like a blast to hang out with. He has a TV show now where he's like, it's almost like uh, what's that TV show called? Like uh, Everyone Feeds Phil, where it's just like a dorky guy just like talking to restaurant owners and like learning about the local cuisine. He's got one of those things. So he seems like a that's his show. Then that's not his show. It's like it's very it's very oh. similar to that. But this guy, um, dude, these people who re- have these like sprawling empires where they're like, yeah, I own, uh, you know planet hollywood but then i got this uh i have this like you know juice brand and then i have this hotel over here and then i got like i own the soccer team um is that who you want to be uh, i'm curious because i think some people really want that i'm not sure that i would want that that seems like just a lot of it stuff seems to like manage. a lot um it seems like a lot yeah like it, it, it seems like is a- that a goal of yours or i definitely respect it from no. afar but i don't think i want to be that that guy I think owning a sports team would be cool, but I don't want to own like 500 restaurants. So like he owns, I, I don't know if you've even heard of any of these Asian street eats, the breakfast club, uh, uh, Berducci's. I've heard of that Brio Italian grill, Bravo Italian kitchen, chicken guy. That's guy Fieri's two J's cafe Hollywood. Have you heard of any of these? No, not really. They're all like restaurants that have like 10 or 20 locations and like hopefully each location makes like $5 million and it's like highly profitable. Another guy who does this in the same similar-ish category is uh, Tillman Fertitta. Do you know who that is? You probably know him because he owns uh, Houston Rockets, I think. So he, I read this interview with him and he goes, I think I am one of the largest companies in America that is fully owned by one person. So he owns 100% of the Fertitta Enterprises, and it does something like four billion in revenue, one million, one billion in EBITDA. He owns like all these kind of. He owns some, I guess, nice stuff. He owns like some steakhouses, maybe like Ruth Chris. I think he owns, but then he owns like bubblegum shrimp and stuff like that. <laughs> um, but some of these restaurant brands where it's like thirty, fifty dollars a meal, apparently they must be really profitable because I've read about a few of these guys, including Robert Earl. I've read about Tillman Fertitta. So I don't know. I guess it works, but it seems like a pain in the ass to deal with all these types of people. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to the next one. Um, let's. See. What's that one? Oh, yeah. We got to rank that one on the juicy scale. I'm going to give it. Uh, I think that might also be a raisin, um, partly out of revenge okay. and partly because uh, this guy owns a bunch of like mid tier things and so i feel like i can't possibly rank him above i i don't want to eat at any of his products <laughs> let's put it that way so you know yeah so i do think that but i you know wait did, I, did you go to but didn't you go to Chuck E. cheeses this weekend i did not w- wish wish i had i uh, did not i thought you said you were taking your kids there you're thinking of someone else i went puppet golf uh at this dude it's hilarious these guys opened up a pup they just took a parking lot and then, like a husband and wife, just sort of out of plywood, built a few holes, and they, they just charge you ten dollars to walk in that area of the, of the parking lot, and they'll give you a club. And my kids love it, and we go there like you know, like twice a month. It's in, it's kind of this in, insane like uh, business plan that makes no sense. I think it makes tons of sense. <laughs> I mean, there's just no put- like it's putting without the green. You're putting on concrete, <laughs> trying to get into. Oh, there's an there's no, there's not even turf. <laughs> no turf. Oh, there's a little bit of turf, but it's like the whole thing is very like the whole thing's like made of concrete. So you know, it's it's not a great not a great look. Yikes! All right, what do you got? All right. Um, I'm going to do one that actually we we did. I was trying to do research for this. And the best breakdown of this business was our own podcast like two years ago. 
But the fact that I had forgot it means that everybody forgot it. I'm going to, I'm going to talk about Guthy Ranker. So these the legends, these are the geniuses behind a bunch of celebrity things. Uh, let me pull up my notes here. So, um, backstory for these Including guys, including one of my favorite books, which one thick and grow rich. Uh, well, yes, exactly. So, okay. So here's the, here's the, the way that the, the business works. So Guthy Ranker. So, um, one of the guys, Guthy, his last name's Guthy. He's, he has a business that's basically audio cassette tape um, copies. So you have a you have an audio tape. You want to make ten thousand copies to sell your music or whatever. He makes the ten thousand. I think it was even called like audio tape duplication enterprise or some shit like that. And nice. uh, it's a okay business. But then suddenly he gets a call from a guy. By the way, I love names like that. Which let's just start bringing that back. I'm sick of the like cute shit that ends in ly. You know, like right. tapely. Yeah, I mean, I want Hampton. Audio, yeah. <laughs> Why isn't it just called a bunch of dudes talking about their feelings? <laughs> I tried to make Hampton a little bit like uh, Jordan Belfort named his company Stratman Oakmont. Jordan Belfort's the uh, Waffle yeah. Wall Street guy. They're like, he's that's like, who you want to model your company well, after. He was like, why'd you do that? He's like, I don't know. Like, I just thought of these oh, two prestige. words and it sounded like an official thing. And I was like, I kind of like that. Uh, but I do, pref- I, I do like like audio tape enterprises <laughs> yeah exactly um so these guys uh okay so he gets an order he gets an order for one hundred twenty thousand tapes he's like one hundred twenty thousand. oh my god who who is this so he calls up the guy hey just want to make sure your order is correct hundred twenty thousand, or what did you mean twelve thousand? he's like no no hundred twenty thousand. he said i've never heard of you before who, what do you do turns out the guy is a real estate guy in arizona but what he started doing was he was like oh yeah i was a real estate guy but then I realized I could just teach people how to make money in real estate and it's going gangbusters. And he's like, what? How is this guy doing it? He's like, ah, I just ran a commercial for 30 minutes about that. I could teach people to make money in real estate. He's like, you can't do a 30 minute commercial. And he's like, yeah, it turns out that there was, as you like to say, an inflection. And the inflection was that in 1984, the FCC deregulated the ad limits. So they said, you know, before that, there was some rule. You can only have like 12 or 16 minutes of ads per hour of TV. They removed the limit. And so now what people could do was they could just go to a channel and be like, hey, can I just buy like your 11 p.m. slot for like five grand? And they're like, sure. And they would just buy they would just buy the hour of television programming and they would just run a giant commercial, an infomercial. And so Guthy hears this and he goes to uh, he goes to meet up with his buddy, this guy, Ranker. And he's like, yo, uh, Ranker is working at his family's hotel resort at the time. And he's like, you know, he's kind of like the pool and tennis guy. He's just like sitting around doing nothing. And he's like, this guy ordered 120,000 tapes. This is amazing. I think this might be a better business than the tape business. Like, you know, then, you know, rather than copy the tapes, why don't I copy his business? <laughs> and he's like, he's like, all right. So what do we do? He's like, this infomercial thing. I think we could do this. He's like, well, all right. So they go, they buy every book they can read on commercials or like, but there wasn't really even the word at the time. Cause again, the rule just got changed. There wasn't even a category called infomercials at the time. They started studying copywriting, direct response marketing. And after a few days of just like cr- cramming, Ranker's like, I think we could do this. They're like, what should we start with? They're like, well, we could try the real estate thing, but neither of us know anything about real estate, nor do we like have a passion for that. Let's at least for this first <laughs> one, start with something we both, the what's the common ground that we both think is like awesome. Like the, the thing we became friends on was, this kind of self self-help, self-development, personal development category. So this is like that uh sign that Cartman has when he's like, 
coming up with an, a startup idea. He's like, look, step one, we're going to start up. Step two, we're going to scale up. Step three, we're going to bro down. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <They're> like, <laughs> <laughs> or like when they're talking about stealing the underwear, they're like, steal underwear, then profit. Yeah. And they're like, well, what, what, comes, what in comes in the middle? <laughs> exactly. And it worked. Uh, it actually, that actually is... Uh, that actually is how most startups work, by the way. I, I think that's, uh, you know, it seems like you're making fun of them, but honestly, that's, that's actually more true than the other way. So, um, so they go, they're like, okay, we can, uh, they realize they can buy the rights to the book, Think and Grow Rich, one of their favorite books, uh, because it's like, it's such an old book that like the, like the copyright or whatever had lapsed or some shit like that. They could basically buy the rights to it for $100,000. So they scraped their savings and they're like, we're going to buy this. So they buy it for hundred grand, and the next three years, they make ten million dollars in sales off that. So, like, really awesome for them. But in the grand scheme of things, it turned out to be like kind of like a, just a base hit compared to what they then go on to do. But what what year did they buy the book in the eighties? Yeah, it was uh, like early. It was kind of like I think early to mid eighties, something like that. Um, so, like three or a hundred grand was like three hundred grand. So it's like not a small bet for your first time go at it. One thing leads to another. In the infomercial that they create, they get Frank Tarkenton, the NFL quarterback. They're like, oh, let's get anybody they saw that had mentioned they love the, the book Think and Grow Rich. They're like, hey, come be a part of this infomercial. And then if you the whole infomercial is on YouTube, you can go watch it. In fact, I want to do a breakdown, a masterclass breakdown just on this infomercial. But um, you can watch the thing. And what they do is they don't tell you about the product at the beginning. They're like, you just hear Frank Tarkenton being like, you know, I always used to feel blah, 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 blah. But now, I'm blah, blah, blah. And then somebody else comes in and they're like, you know, I was struggling, blah, blah, blah. And then now I'm blah. and they don't tell you what's the product that gave them that transformation. Like this is the genius of marketing is you, you sell this benefit, this transformation. You want people banging down your door saying, what's the pill? What's the product that gives you that? Right? Like this is the Ozempic thing. How the hell are you losing all this weight? And it's like, oh, I take this thing. Okay. Get, you know, let me have it. Let me have the magic pill. And so at the end of the, the video, they say it's thinking grow rich. Ten, they do $10 million in sales over the three years. Uh, by the way, this video on YouTube has like 900 views. Uh, like nobody is studying this thing. It's crazy to me that a video like this would have so few views. Um, and they, they tell the story around the book that the richest people in the world, you know, Carnegie, the Rothschilds, they wanted this guy to write this. And so Carnegie commissions, what's his name, uh, Napoleon Hill, to go study the, the the most successful people in the world and find out their secret. And he did, right? And so that's the that's how they sell this book. Beautiful. In the infomercial. This is an awesome infomercial. They have one guy come on who's a 24-year-old wonderkin. This guy who's just getting the he's on the up and up. Tony Robbins comes on. A guy named Anthony Robbins comes on and talks about how he how much he loves the book. Unpaid, by the way. They were like, hey, will you do this? I heard you love this book. He's like, I'll do it. Does an unpaid spot. And they're so blown away by his charisma on camera that they're like, we got to be in the Tony Robbins business next. So they go to Tony and they're like, hey, uh, love your book. We want to do the same thing we did Think and Grow Rich, but with your book. And he's like, uh, okay. So they're like, we'll brand it. We'll figure out the infomercial, blah, blah, blah. They do it. They create a program in 1988, the year I was born, called Personal Power. And it becomes the best-selling self-help program of all time. It does twenty million dollars in year one, and um, you know, just goes on to just how old is? I'm I'm looking at this. I'm looking at this. Tony Rob Tony Robbins has the original infomercial on his YouTube page for the for his personal power. How old is he here? He's like twenty five years old in that. In that. That's crazy, man. He's got a huge jaw. Yeah, he well, he he had a a growth a pituitary growth problem 
which is why all of his his hands, his teeth, his jaw are all so oversized. He's a huge guy. If you ever seen him in person, I want a pituitary growth problem. He, he looks larger great. Than life. He and he did it. I think I yeah. think he like it was causing him like to have secrete like ten times more HGH than he was supposed to. And then they removed it at the right time before he became like an actual like nine foot ogre. So like, you know, he got the benefits of, of that thing. It's, it's an amazing story. He looks awesome, man. His jawline, he looks like the ultimate Chad. He looks awesome. He's got like charisma of a nice guy, but like the looks of a Chad, that's that's like, that's a killer duo. You know, I thought that might be your takeaway from all the things I just said. So I'm glad you picked up on the important bit. So they do, um, by, by 1990, now they're, they're three years in, they're doing 36 million a year. They almost go bankrupt because the Gulf War starts in 91 and all television attention goes to that. So the infomercial business just sucks and they have to basically fire everybody just to stay alive during that year because they were um, infomercials just not converting. The war was was taking everybody's attention. So then they go on and they're like, OK, here's our here's our model. And I've watched there's again, this uh, the research for this was so fun. The, there's interviews with this guy. Uh, if you want to Google it, is is uh, Van de Van de Bunt. This is the guy who who joined really early. He's been the CEO now for like I don't know, fifteen years. Really want to meet this guy. I want to have him on the pod. He's there's no interviews with these guys really out there. They don't go podcasts or anything like that. But this guy Van de Bunt went on, um, did a talk at some school I think at USC, and they chopped up his his talk into one minute clips. And I must have binged like 45 one-minute clips last night of this guy. Love this guy. He's got such a good uh, attitude and was saying things. But he's like, he's like, look, here's, here's our process. Real simple. Like, uh, we find the market need. Like, how do you find it? He's like, well, if you see one person with good skin and one person with bad skin, trust me, there's a market need. Like, you see some, one person with brown teeth, another person with white teeth, that's going to be a big market need. And I can just sell it to you by showing before and after. So that's the first thing. He's like, then we find the products and we try to license or own them. Then we tie them up to a developer or a celebrity or a story because nobody wants to buy from an ivory tower that says, we have the solution. No, they want to buy from a person who says, I figured this out. I spent my life working on this and I figured this out. And uh, he's like, we, we marry the market need with the marketing technique. And so the, the market, first marketing technique they did was that infomercial technique. That drove them for a long time. And now they've shifted to more like internet marketing um, since then. And like to do the like uh, the television, just the, the depths that they went to. So they were so early in this. They're shooting these um, these things for like, you know, all their brands. Like they created uh, Proactive, the acne brand with Justin Bieber as one of the celebrities and like uh, these doctors as the celebrities. Um, they created Principal Secret. They got this, this actress, Victoria Principal. And um, they were like, OK, we think this is good, but we don't know exactly how to sell this product. So you know what they did? They put her on QVC. They were like, well, let's overpay to be on QVC. They're like, is it going to break even? Probably not. But at QVC, if you've ever seen how a QVC thing goes, they, you can go backstage because during QVC, people are calling in to buy. And he's like, basically on a like 10 second interval, you can see what gets people to buy. So they did this almost as a study to test the content. So they have her talking for an hour and they can see what are the things she's saying that's causing the sales board to light up. And they had they took a product that really wasn't working. They went and reshot the infomercial with that intel of like what what lines and what uh, talking points were driving the most interest. And they reshot the infomercial, and now it's a two billion dollar uh, revenue generating product that they that they created out of that. Holy pretty shit! Awesome. They created Proactive. They created a Pilates brand, a brand with Cindy Crawford. They did all this stuff. So they are a hundred percent privately held now. No external investors. 
just Guthy and Ranker. They've been doing this for 30 something years and they do a couple billion in revenue profitably. And I was like, how this is it is possible? Amazing. How did they scale with no outside revenue? And then here's the funny thing. There's actually a story of like, uh, you know, this is like a funny story. So they get this along the way. They actually did take investment. So it's 100% owned now. But at one point in time, they gave up 33% of the business or something to this guy, Ron Perlman, who himself yeah. is a uh, prolific guy. He owns TV networks. He owns Revlon. He owns Marvel or he owned Marvel at the time. Um, yeah, I think he he's one of the guys who he's a he's one of the richest men in America, I believe. Yeah. I think he's like worth like 40 or 50, like in that range billion. And he helped. Uh, I think his buyout of Revlon was the largest leverage buyout at the time. And he like kind of pioneered like the the leverage buyout. Uh, I read his biography a few the years Google ago. Google has about like four he, billion, but I, maybe it's gone up since then. Um, oh, I guess previous, well, for a, for, previously for, worth for a while billion. was huge. Yeah. Why did it go? Why did it go down so much? Maybe because Revlon, but I think he, I don't even remember what Revlon did. I think it was like makeups, but it was, it was like a yeah. conglomerate. Like yeah, it owned it like makeup. all this type of stuff, but he, uh, he bought it for many, many, many billions. And he kind of pioneered the, the leverage buyout, which eventually like um, the American population, like it was like one of those things in the eighties where it was like, uh, like, uh, just absolute greed. And right. like, it, there's like, you know, it was like barbarians at the gate type of shit. Ron Perlman, um, five marriages. Yeah, there's, it, there's a price to be paid. The AI that's studying right now that might be like, I guess getting married five times causes you to be a billionaire. No, no, no. It's correlation, not causation. <laughs> <laughs> you know you know how rich a guy is. He's got five marriages. So, um, okay. So they they sell it. To, they sell him the stake. He gives them $25 million. They're like, beautiful. And he owns these TV networks. They're like, oh, great. We get dirt cheap airtime and we get $25 million to invest. They use that to grow like crazy, pay off these, pay celebrities to like, be the endorsers like Justin Bieber and all the stuff to do that. To- I think they had Sidney Crawford. They had like a, a, a makeup thing with Sidney Crawford. Yep. I think they have one with Jennifer Lopez. They had a thing with JLo. Yeah, exactly. Um, eventually Murdoch buys, uh, buys Ron Perlman's uh, like TV networks or whatever. And then basically they're like, Oh, we get this stake, this 37% stake and these Guthy Riker things. And it just got lost in the Murdoch, like, uh, Empire over time. So they went back to <laughs> the like, couch can cushion. We just, uh, can we just buy this back? And uh, they got it back for like, you know, some tiny amount. So I'm like, you know, they, they bought, they were able to buy back and own 100% of it. And then I think now, like recently, finally, they, uh, I think Goldman bought like a minority stake in the business, uh, valuing it at $3 billion. Um, but, and here's how you know they're they're really rich is A, the CEO who you got, who you said, Van, what was his name? Van Bunt? Van de Bunt, yeah. He uh, he just bought a twenty five million dollar house. If you just uh, whenever I like, hear about these people, I'm like, let's see how rich they really are. You can always find out through their real estate holdings. He just bought a twenty five million dollar house, and then Bill Guthrie. If you if you Google him, he doesn't come up because of this business. He comes up because uh, Prince and yeah, Prince he Harry, I guess, his house and, just and, living for a bit. <laughs> he, yeah, he, they lived in his estate. It's not a house; it's an estate. When they were like you know homeless for a few minutes, they like he, they lived in his estate. Yeah. <laughs> so and then also he owned a home that one of the gender uh, the Kylie Jenner bought. So it all comes back to the Kardashians. Yeah, they're they're everywhere. At these guys' peak, they owned thirty five thousand toll free numbers. <laughs> Their phone bill was one hundred and fifty million dollars a year. <laughs> and That's he's insane. Like, he's like, yeah, we did that. And they're like, did you need that? He's like, we we did it for attribution. He's like, we needed to know what converts better the way we did that was every time we would try a new variation of our content 
we would give it a new number. So we could just attribute which number is getting the most calls and versus the spend. And that's how we did our performance marketing in the telephone days. I thought that was pretty dope. As like, a But you're also, market. you didn't even mention their most successful product that everyone who's listening, who's at least 30 years old will know this product. Which one? Proactive. They did proactive. I did. Did, I you, did you say proactive? Yeah, yeah. That's the one they did with Justin Bieber. Yeah. Well, I think you didn't put enough emphasis. <laughs> I needed a pause, it, bro. <laughs> yeah, they did proactive, which made like a billion plus. I I bought proactive. I mean, everyone bought pro. Did you use it? No, I didn't use it, but uh, I watched a bunch of those infomercials. They, their their infomercials are very entertaining. Like you could just watch it as a show. Um, and actually, it was pretty interesting watching uh, listening to their method. So he's like, um. He's like, you know, uh, he's, he, he always says the same thing. He goes, if you just come to me saying X, I can't, I can't change the channel fast enough. You can just tell that that's like the, the guiding principle is like, you don't want them to change the channel. <laughs> and it's like, everything trickles down from that one principle. So he's like, it's called the slippery slope, baby. You got to make them fall down that slippery slope. So he's like, uh, these guys come in and they start pitching me a cyber safety product. And they've been doing it for like seven years. It's, um, you know, the, the highest it ever gross is a million dollars a year. And he's like, okay, so what's the product? He's like, cyber safe. So, you know, like uh, we help make your, your computers, your computers are the new thing. Um, we make your computer safer so you don't get hacked and you don't have a virus on your computer. And he's like, oh man, I'm, if I'm watching TV relaxing at night, the last thing I want to do is get stressed about my problem. Uh, get stressed about a problem I'm not already stressed about, uh, which is like, oh, now my computer's going to get a virus. I'm going to lose it. No. He's like, I couldn't change the channel fast enough. He's like, but before they walked out of the meeting, he goes, hey, uh, I got a question for you. You know, we have this thing called need, need, greed, vanity. That's what we try to tap into. He goes, um, when you fix the computers to make them safer, does that also have any other benefits? Like, does it make it faster? And they're like, oh, yeah, for sure. Because, you know, no viruses, your computer goes faster. He goes, hmm. All right, come back next week and pitch me the fast thing. They come back and then they launch this product called Double My Speed. And yeah, th that business that had never done more than a million dollars in seven years, all of a sudden does $75 million a year at the time he was given this interview, which is a while back um, for double my speed. And he's like, you know, I just, he's like, I just, he goes, there's too many smart people. And they're like, how did you do it? Did you do like internet advertising for this computer product? He's like, no, we did radio ads. And it was just a radio infomercial. He's like, you know, I, he's like, there's too many smart people online. He's like, I don't want to compete in a knife fight unless I have a gun. And he's like, so we went to the radio because really no smart people were advertising on the radio and we could just get a bunch of inventory <laughs> for cheap and uh, we could just create content that was better than the, the current stuff on radio. And I was like, man, this guy's awesome. Um, they were like, how are they doing now with uh, infomercials not being as relevant? So he, he talked a little bit about it, but I don't know. There's not that much info out there, um, but he goes, he, so he's, they were like, how'd you, how'd you make this a success? You know, you, you, they're like, Van, this guy, whatever his name is, Vandabunt, Vandabunt's his last name. And they were like, uh, you joined at what revenue? He's like, it was 12 million a year. He's like, what is it now? He's like, uh, like 1.7 billion. They're like, oh, amazing. You hear that? The whole audience is like, wow, you know, that's amazing. And he's like, he's like, yeah, when you say it like that, it sounds crazy. He's like, but uh, you don't see that far. He's like, when you're at 12, you could, he's like, what's that phrase? Like, you, can, you can't see beyond the wall that's in front of you. He's like, when you're at 12, all you're thinking about is 25. And you just, there's some wall between you and 25. And then you break through that wall and then 25 wants to get to 60. And like, there's another wall to get to 60. He's like, you just keep doing that. We just did that over and over and over again until you, until you figure out like, you know, the, the right thing. And he's like, and he's like, for six years when we were doing the infomercial thing, we were so early to that channel. We were just the best at that channel. He's like, honestly, we didn't learn that much during that time. 
he's like, all the learning came in these, like, he, he says this funny joke. He's like, um, he's like, there was some year where like infomercials started to tank. The internet started getting more popular. He's like, we had 30 million people that were on a reorder program. Meaning he's like, our business model is we get you interested in a product. You call up our phone, we pick up and we tell you that that product's going to be great for you. And that we may have some other products that are great for you. And actually, you know what? If you do this right now, we'll keep sending you this product for the rest of your life. And he's like, that's like the business model. And he's like, uh, he's like, it felt like one day all 30 million people on our reorder program called each other. And we're like, you know what? Let's cancel this shit. And he's like, he's like, the, when the world was caving in, he's like, then we had to get smart again and figure out like, oh, we haven't even had to fight to win in so long. Let's figure, let's be smart and let's figure this out. And, uh, and he, he, you know, I just think these guys, have, these guys have built an amazing business and nobody really talks about them, I, at least in our circles. Well, they don't talk about it because a, like, it's not sexy. I mean, the money part is sexy because like when I, well, <laughs> you make this sound so cool, but in reality, this probably looks like workaholics. You remember that TV show workaholics, how they're just sitting around making phone calls. That's probably what the office looks like. We're <laughs> just a bunch of like <laughs> morons, like sitting in this shitty cubicle, wearing like a badly fitting tie and suit, like just answering these calls. <laughs> I mean, that's like not that fun to do like on a day to day basis, I imagine. It's really fun when it's crushing it, though. Um, they also don't get talked about because they've been around forever. It's, it looks like the company was launched in 88. And before that, they were doing different stuff. So it's been around for 40 years now. Right. Um, but yeah, I love these guys. I want to know what they're doing with digital. Because I remember like, you remember P90X? Yeah, the workout program. That's, I love P90X. That's another company. It's called something Beach. What's Beachbody. it called? Uh, Beachbody. It, so they own, they're just like Guthrie Raker, but they own like P90X style companies. And they owned a bunch of them. And I remember them. Well, you know what they did? They, they, they pivoted. Yeah, they because to, to, the internet was like coming around and they're like, we have to keep up. And so now they have like a, it's almost like a Netflix style business, isn't it? It's, a, it's an MLM. Like a subscription. So basically they changed the sales model from this direct response infomercial model to MLM. So now they have Beachbody trainers and asso Beachbody associates that will sell people to join Beachbody, right? So they get pe people to post on social media that they've, uh, not only have they gotten in shape, they now work for themselves they are independent Oof. uh and they're making more money than they were ever working before and if you're interested in kind of hearing how you change the, how you turned your life around like slide into the dms and then they basically sell you that like you too should start selling beach body programs to people around you and you can make a lot of money and be fit um and dude that's the worst that that totally like because i remember when i was in australia uh when i was living there i didn't have a gym <laughs> we i did p90x i did like i i did it I thought it was awesome. <laughs> but when you go the MLM route, it makes me hate you. Yeah. What's his name? Tony, Tony Horton. Uh, Tony, dude, Tony was ripped. Tony Horton was ripped. I, man. I, I even, I even like Tony the side Horton. characters when it was like, you know, whatever. He'd be like, the, the, chef, the chef is here. The, the Russian, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> that was, that was dude, a great program. I wonder what he looks like now. Is he still jacked? Yeah, he is. Yeah, he's still jacked. But I think he has some. Yeah, he looks great. He has some disease. He got some disease and then kind of bounced back or something. Well, he still looks amazing. If you Google Tony Horton, he's sixty-five years old now. He looks great. Uh, so it worked. Um, but anyway, I'm a big. I like these. I like studying these companies. I also like studying them because a lot of people in the tech startup world are like, "Well, this shit doesn't work anymore," and I'm like, "Wrong." It 100% does. Maybe it looks a little different. Well, dude, this is what every DC like, e-com business is doing, right? Like, that's what they're... The thing, the first business I featured, which was, uh, you know, the, the Greed family doing this with the Kardashians, creating a Shaper brand of the Kardashians. This is no different. 
you know, the cosmetics brand with with uh, you know Kylie Jenner. There's no different than what Guthy Rinker's been doing. They just used Instagram instead of and Instagram and Instagram celebrities instead of Hollywood celebrities and TV. It's the same model, same same thing. So this one's a great you win. This one's definitely the most interesting one. Um, it's incredibly fascinating. One thing that I was trying to research that I couldn't find, and I think there's a, a bunch of people in our world working on this is everything that we've discussed. It's mostly consumer products. What I'm curious is why this hasn't worked for like a more of a B2B product. So in a weird way, we aren't this, but HubSpot yeah, I was, I was about trying to say, to bro, it. you're like a fish being like, what is water? It's like, yeah, we <laughs> yeah. are this for HubSpot. You know that? <laughs> yeah, but we're not, we're, we're not the founders of the company. You know, we're not, we're not like, you know, we no, own, we're, you we're know, the we maybe have Kylie Jenner in this case, right? They basically... Yeah, but Kylie Jenner owns fifty percent of that shit. We, you know, I, I own. That's why we got to renegotiate one percent. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and so I don't own that much of HubSpot. But uh, I remember they. Uh, what, what was the company that did this with? Uh, what was the Rackspace? They did it with a guy. Uh, what was this? Robert Scoble. They were early with that, but it, I don't know if it worked out wonderfully or what happened to that. But there's not. I know there's a few other companies. So there's um, Assembly Brands. I work with this guy Hunter. So we launched this thing called Viral Cuts, where I own part of the company, and it's like a agency that clips uh, uh, podcast clips. But it's going to be small. It's not going to be a multi billion dollar company like well, this. I just did this. But I wonder why right? Shepherd is a good business. It's like it's a business that fits our audience, right? Every entrepreneur needs to hire people. If you can hire talented people overseas for ten times less, like this is like a no brainer product. So Shepherd was already working, and then they bring me on, and now I own a piece of that company. Enough of us. You are the Sydney Crawford. I am. You're the, the, you're the, that's what I've been telling them. And I was. They looked at me a little funny when I said it, but I, you know, this is what I bet. And uh, you know, since we joined, uh, you know, first it was Nick Huber was doing it with him. You're, no, you're more like the Chloe. You're the you're the, you're the Chloe. <laughs> you're the Chloe man. You're the Chloe. Oh, that was good. A plus uh, on that one. Uh, but it's the same thing. Bring on kind of like a influencer to promote a B two B product. And revenue, we all time high last month, all time high this month, right? Like it just keeps happening now every single month uh, by doing that. And so it's a, I think it is happening more in the B two B space, and that's why it's happening more. But it's not nearly as common, and I think it will be or should be. It's a big opportunity for sure. Um, the thing that uh, the thing that's interesting. So Austin Reef tweeted this out over the weekend. I don't know if you saw him say this. He, he said every uh, D. To, I think he said D to C though. I think he said every like e commerce company is going to have a content creator that's. High, more highly paid than many of the executives. So uh, he says, over the next five years, every D2C business will have full-time content creators on staff. The best will be comped more than the execs and drive more value than anyone else in the business. The math is going to make sense to hire, build, and invest in creators who can become a part of your company narrative versus spinning off one-off influencer campaigns. The key difference between, between a creator and a social media manager. A social media manager just creates and posts content. A creator is the content. And of course, the best companies will be founded by creators like Happy Dad, Feastables, Prime, etc. When people hear creator, they think of Mr. Beast or Logan Paul. I'm not referring to famous creators, just people who create content full time. And um, this is something that we're seeing with our uh, D2C business. But in general, I think this is I think you just need to take out the word D2C, right? Darmesh had the same insight. He goes, every yeah. software company is going to have its own media company. Why? Because creating your own media is going to bring inbound is going to bring inbound leads. Um, and it's going to be more a more efficient channel than doing outbound paid ads, or it's going to be. And Darmesh is sort of like that with HubSpot. I mean, like uh, people like it actually our most popular episodes are Darmesh. Uh, so he's like pretty much doing that for his own company. 
Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, okay. You want to do, you have more or you want me to do one? You want to do one more or let's do Scott Storch. Yeah. Okay. I wasn't sure if that was in the same category, but I want to talk about it. So here's another version of the guy behind the scenes, the, the, the engine that makes the thing work. We did it with business, with D2C products. Well, how about music? So uh, this guy's going viral recently uh, for a bunch of TikToks because he's got an amazing story. This guy, Scott Storch, he is a producer. I think he's sober now and he's like, he's like out of the, he's like left the cave. He's a producer, you know, he's, he's a songwriter, and he's famous for a couple of things. He produced some of the biggest hits, like, you know, Still Dre, you know, the little piano keys at the beginning of Still Dre. That's Scott Storch was sitting on a piano, did it, and Dr. Dre was in a kitchen eating a sandwich, poked his head in, and he goes, that's it. <laughs> um, that's how Still Dre, uh, the track happened. I love those stories. So he's, I love those stories. He, he did Candy Shop. He did Naughty Girl. He did a bunch of songs with everybody you can imagine. Beyonce, Dr. Dre, 50 Cent, Snoop Dogg, Busta Rhymes, Justin Timberlake, Chris Brown, all of them. Um, he's amassed a fortune of about $100 million doing this as a producer behind the scenes that you didn't know about that was cr- just killing it. And he's also famous for blowing all hundred million because he got he got addicted to two things, spending and cocaine. And um, and he was basically just partying too much, blowing through all his money. And now he reset. So he, he you know, he went to rehab, got clean, declared bankruptcy, basically, and came back, um, you know, and now is, is, is trying to rebuild again. And so this guy's story, I thought, was pretty crazy. What do you know about this guy? Yeah, so he did a bunch of interviews lately where he was like. I was spending two, three, four, five million dollars a month. He was like, I had houses that I forgot about. He said, we had this one house and he goes, I had a $5,000 worth of like glass figurines yeah. that I had a party. They were like, so you were collecting <laughs> it, like, like cars or shoes. He goes, I collected everything that could be collected. He goes, stuff I didn't even care about. And he's like, I had a million dollars of crystal figurines. He's like, they, I had a party and they fell over and we just like, Sweeped him up in the dust. Yeah, he goes, I had a five hundred thousand. Uh, he goes, I had a five hundred thousand dollar crystal bottle of perfume. And they go, the guy was like, Do you even wear it? He goes, Nah, some drunk girl at a party knocked it over and broke it. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, He had a four million dollar pinky ring. <laughs> if you think you're balling and you don't have a four million dollar yellow diamond pinky ring uh, like you need to step down because scott storch has has it done he is a character in grand theft auto because he's so prolific as a guy in miami who's like you know in in the scene there's this one uh story uh from 2013 where he says he spent something like a hundred million dollars one one says 30 million dollars one says a hundred million dollars in six months uh, he's like <laughs> cocaine houses and cars. Yeah. Uh, and he just went hard. Uh, he, um, so like, I love stories like this, by the way, I like it because hopefully this will have a happy ending, but I just love people that fly close to the sun. Well, man, he, he's also a genius because he dropped out of ninth grade. You know that? So he dropped out of ninth grade and you know how he made his original, like how he broke onto the scene. No, he was the keyboard guy for the roots. So he's in ninth grade. He drops out teaches himself how to play the piano um and he's like yeah he's, they're like you didn't take any courses he's like no i mean i couldn't afford a class he's like i actually enrolled in one class but i couldn't afford to get to it so i was like ah i guess i'm just not gonna like you know i just i'll just try to sit here he's like i would i would have a, 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 a tape player and i would put it on the piano and i would hear it he's like then with one finger i'd be like trying to recreate what i just heard he's like and i just did that until i could learn how to play the keyboard to, like by ear he's like so then he discovers the roots before they were big he joins them and he's the only you know he's the white boy in the roots 
and they are just going and playing like literally on like corners. And like he's like playing in the corner. He'd go, you know, they'd go down to New York and they would play for a day and they'd come back to Philly. And he would just do that all the time. The roots start getting popular. They get signed. But then he leaves the roots and they're like, why do you want to leave the roots? He's like, man, I heard that's that white boy from the roots one too many times. And I, he's like, they don't even know my name. He's like, I'm going to go create my own music. So he, he's like, I'm going to create my own music. Through the roots, he had met Dr. Dre. So he goes and hangs out with Dr. Dre. And Dre's like, yeah, this guy's got talent. And so he he makes some songs with Dr. Dre. And Dr. Dre at this time is the biggest producer in the world. He's the most high-end demand guy. So Scott Storch makes his $100 million fortune, as he says, off the uh, eating crumbs at the end of the table. So basically, Dre would get a project, and he's like really picky. He's like, I'm not just going to do just anything. He's like, so he would just take all of Dr. Dre's reject projects and do them himself. And made a hundred million dollars doing that. <laughs> and dude, how, how good is Dr. Dre? By the way, the fact that like when when Eminem came around, you know, he raps about it. He's like, you walked in with a yellow jumpsuit and you're a white guy, and everyone's like, dude, you can't you can't play with this guy. What do you what are you right. white rappers? That's ridiculous. If you Google St- Scott Storch, my wife's from Long Island, so I've gotten to know a bunch of Long Island people. This guy looks like there's the Long Island medium, and then there's Scott Storch in terms of like, and like the way that they look in terms of stereotypes. He looks <laughs> like the most Long Island guy ever wearing like Ed Hardy t-shirts and true religion jeans. Yeah. And Dr. Dre like sees past that and like sees talent. That's pretty amazing. Exactly. And he even says that he's like Dre's number one skill. He's like, he's very technically talented, but his skill is he can hear 10 things and he'll tell you which one is hot. And he's like, we'll play the same thing five different times. And he's like, number four is the one that sounds the best. And he's like, uh, Dre just has that ear for what's good and what's hot, what's next and what's different, what's unique, what's singular, what's going to stand out. He's like, I never had that to that extent. He's like, but, you know, I was good. I, I was able to get good enough where I could still make, you know, hundreds of hits. He would get paid a hundred grand to do a single track and he would do 10 a week. And when, and you know, in his prime, that's what he was doing. That's how he was making his money. So he's like, dude, I'm just rolling in money here. And then he stopped working. He's like, I'm just going to party now. He's like, the problem was like I was spending like I was still making money, but I had stopped working three years ago and I was just spending money like crazy. And um, yeah, this guy's. So here, here's some quotes I'd like to read you. OK. On blowing one hundred million dollars, quote, it happens. Next quote. <laughs> when you talk about blowing one hundred million, I know cats that blew double that. <laughs> That's the second response. <laughs> it continues. It can happen to anyone. <laughs> which I, gotta say, <laughs> I don't think you can have it anyway and then he says uh he says you know i grew up a poor kid and then all of a sudden i have infinite money i have no i have infinite options and i just didn't know how to say no um so then he uh they were asking about like you know how do you make a hit song and he just goes like you know in the in the real estate game it's location 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 and the music game it's melody 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 he goes it's melody 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 if you can make a memorable melody that's a, that's what it takes to make a hit song and that's what i focused on being able to do um so yeah this guy scott storch is a prolific character well he, he he'll be back i mean i feel like if you have that skill you can make it work uh for you can make it work for a while right i mean it's just it's very similar to marketing if it's it's like if you understand what what motivates people and get them to get gets them to act whether it's dancing or buying something you'll you'll come back right. have you ever met these guys like like th- there'll be guys like oh man i just uh I got a hold of uh, all these old rookie cards uh, for this baseball player who's about to die. We should like go and buy all of them for 50 grand and like hold on to them for three weeks and then resell them. Or I just got this old like 
you know, supply of like DVD players. It's only 50 grand. Like they're always into schemes. Like I always meet these guys who like love these schemes. Every once in a while, it works out. And this is like a guy, <laughs> Scott Stewart, who's like, he'll, you'll, you'll meet this guy and you're like, dude, you're an idiot. No way that's going to work. Like quit trying to scam, scam me. This is one of those guys who's made it work. You know, another guy who did it that way was the Dollar Shave Club guy. You know, it actually Dollar Shave Club came to be a thing because he like saw a discount on like a container of like cheap razors. And he's like, oh, oh, fuck right? it, let's just buy these. Oh, wow. Yeah. He's like, let's just get this cheap razors and just figure out how to sell them. I, I don't know how we're going to do it. I think his father-in-law like had a deal on like 50,000 razors. And he's like, oh, screw it. Let's just do it. I've met a bunch of th- these people like this. For some reason, it's always a Long Island thing, by the way. And uh, <laughs> and, and Scott Storch is a is a for everyone out there who's just scheming on these types of like weird weird things. This is your hero. <laughs> um, you know, what I'm talking about. You ever meet these guys? And they always have some weird hustle going down. Dude, I like, was one of those is, guys. Is, I'm counting cards. I'm trying to win the mono- monopoly game at McDonald's. You know, we uh, are entering contests. We realize that most people don't enter contests if there's any work. So like. Um, my buddy Dan was amazing at this. I actually wrote him off and then later learned this guy's a genius. He freshman year, this guy lives three doors down from me. And um, we're like, yo, we're going right, we're gonna go get food. And then like we're like, well, who are we waiting for? Where's Dan? And we like go to his door, we go into his room. And we're like, Dan, let's go, man. We're supposed to we're, we're hungry. He's like, Oh, hold on. Um, the deadline for this contest is in like 30 minutes. I gotta I, I'm out. And I'm like, what contest? Why are you entering a contest? And uh, like Duke is full of like kids who play by the book and Dan never really played by the book. He was like, he had his own little book that he was playing in. And so, you know, he, he he's like, oh, this is stride gum is like stride gum will give you free gum for life. If you can make a commercial for like a 20 second commercial, that's like cool for stride gum. So he took a little like flip cam, like it wasn't even smartphones back then. He took one of those flip cams and he basically like filmed this commercial of himself in his dorm room being like, whatever stride gum the best goddamn gum in the world he's like doing this commercial he submits it he's probably one of three people that actually like read the fine print submitted a did the work to submit a commercial with that that filled in all the things and guess what stride gum for everybody for the rest of college right we had free stride gum for really he won did another one he's like um wait what type of package did the gum come in What's gum forever? Like they no, literally no, you just, could just order infinite packs. amount, basically. Um, like you could just keep ordering by some some limits. Um, they needed another one for this sandwich shop called Spicy Pickle. They're like, hey, we're renaming our mascot, and of course, Dan's all over there trying to rename the mascot. I'm like, Dan, you, do you even like this <laughs> restaurant? He's like, no, but you, I want to win. And I'm like, you know, he, he's like the definition of like play stupid games, win stupid prizes. But he has so much goddamn fun doing it that you're like, ah. I kind of wish I was doing this like Dan. And so he renamed. So the, the mascot currently for spicy pickle is a pickle. Who's a spy called spy, the letter C pickle. And he's got a business card and he's a spy that will help you out. And that's Dan. Dan created that character. And then we go, we go to like the ceremony at a spicy pickle headquarters. Uh, and they're like 20 people in a circle cheering, clapping for him. And they hand him a big check that says like free sandwiches <laughs> and he wins. And so he just kept doing these things. And Dan's from Jersey. And um, and I feel like he just always had this thing, which was like, I'm going to win. Like, I'm going to play these like I'm going to find these random edges and I'm going to win. Like, I'm going to just find these little arbitrages and I'm going to constantly exploit them. Dude, we should do an episode on this because have you read about the guy who did it with snack pack, like put pudding cups? No. Like you, you remember, you know, like pudding. Okay, so they, they they ran this contest that says like 
I forget exactly how the contest worked, but you could like, uh, if you pulled off the tops of the pudding and like lick it, it like said like you won this much in free airline miles. And there was like some contest around it. But this guy did the math where I, I'm just, I just had to Google it now to remember exactly. But he only had to buy, I think $3,500 worth of pudding, which is like, a significant amount in terms of like how much space it would take up in your room. And he like had all this pudding and he peeled all the packs and he was able to redeem it for Uh, 1.2 million miles, airline miles. And he like gamed the contest. And there's like we at the hustle, we used to do this of people like gaming these contests. There's like a bunch of people. There's this community of people who go and find these contests and they're like, all right, where did they make the mistake where if you follow this exactly, you could actually like milk it hardcore to the extreme. And there was a guy who did this with, Pudding. So he basically, it was, it was basically, you get a thousand miles for every 10 labels. And the, because the whole thing was like, for some reason, this pudding is supposed to be healthy. And so they said, if you eat a lot of it, it's good for you. And we're going to reward you by giving you a thousand miles for every 10 labels. And so the, there was $2 a piece. He figured out that he could buy them in bulk. And he's like, here's this arbitrage where it's profitable. And he did that where he got 1.2 million miles for $3,100. Wow. There's a Netflix show about this, uh, about about a different version of this. There's some guy trying to do this with a, I think he had to buy ca- uh, cans of Pepsi or something like that, or Coke or something to do airline. There's some show I haven't I haven't watched it yet, but I saw it uh, show up on on uh, on Netflix. Yeah, then there's the McDonald's one. There's a, a McDonald's one too, where they where they like. But that was just a scam. They just they scammed it. Uh, yes, yeah. but it is fascinating. I I do like reading about those. They're always fun stories. We should one of these days we'll have to do an episode of all these people who have just gamed the system. We used to do that the hustle all the time, where we would give. I forget what it was. It was like one email subscriber to us was worth ten dollars, and if you referred like ten people, we would send you a T-shirt, which was a profitable thing for us. And if you Google the hustle affiliate contest. All of these moms have, there's mostly like a stay at home mom website and it's called like Coupon Dash or like some of the, all these websites where it's just people who enter contests and they're like, hey, look, here's another one. You can win a free pair of socks if you, if you refer 50 people. And it was like referral like rings and we would get all of these people doing this and, we'd, and we would catch this and we're like, why is like this like 38 year old woman named Cindy winning all of our prizes? We've never heard of her. She's won all this stuff. What's going on? And you like, can figure out that they list your contest on these websites and they game it like crazy. It's it's a pretty wild thing. So we had to create like a double opt-in system because they just figured out they're like, you see them talking about it, like, look, you don't even need to opt in your email. So you can just write Gibberish. like Sean plus yeah. one at AOL.com, Sean plus two at AOL.com and you just win. And so that's when we had to change it. But like, I, that's how I learned a little bit about this underground world of like sweepstakes, they call it. I think. Yeah, yeah, sweepstake hackers. Uh, amazing. All right, should we wrap it there or do we want to do any more of these? We'll wrap it there. So I think the order of greatness, the least interesting one, I think it was either mine or the hot couple. The second... (laughs) The perfect couple. We got to put the perfect couple down there because they've been winning at everything their whole life. Yeah, it'll go perfect couple and then Robert. (laughs) Yeah, the perfect couple is the worst. Finally, they have something bad on their resume. It really does feature sort of like (laughs) ugly winners. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like the sort of like more ugly and like, you know, slightly shady you are. The higher you seem to rank on my first million. I don't know if that's intentional or unintentional, but it definitely definitely happens. <laughs> yeah. So the hot people, they're your, your last. Uh, <laughs> and then we'll go Robert Earl. And then the one above that is uh, 
Ooh, Scott Storch is going to go number two. Guthrie Ranker, number, number one. one. The juiciest. But Scott Storch is interesting too. But Guthrie Ranker, I think there's more to learn. All right. So that's, that's it. it. That's the pod. Yeah. I feel like I can rule the world. I know I could be what I want to. Uh, I put my all in it like no days off. On the road, let's travel, never looking back. Like-